Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. Certainly great to see everybody this morning. I honestly had planned on coming to church and asking where everybody was at for all the people that are sick right now. I kept getting these messages from different people to pray for me. I'm sick, got the strep throat, got this, got that. And I was like, man, there won't be ten people at church tomorrow. But I tell you what, we're going to have to, we're gonna have to build us something bigger than this. I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, we, get, we had about 140 people in here for worship. We only got 130 seats in here. So I don't know where everybody was piled up at, kids sitting in laps and stuff, but we're going to have to get on the ball, y'all. Pay off this debt. And uh, the Lord's blessing us too much to stop at this. So as we, here's the segue, as we go through the next part of this series on prayer, pray for that. Pray that the money would show up and we could get out of debt and, 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 and do what we need to do. Today we're talking about prayers in the desert. Everybody in their life will go through a dry spell spiritually. We'll go through slumps. Uh, and this happens in everything you do in life. If you're a, a sports person, you know that athletes go through slumps. If you're a Christian, you know you're going to go through a spiritual slump at some point in your life. Uh, there's going to be times, as a Christian, you just simply, you don't want to pray. You don't want to get up and sing praise with God's people. You don't even want to go to church Sometimes you don't feel like reading your Bible; it becomes boring. You just you kind of give up on it. But slumps aren't always a bad thing. Slumps can set you up for a really incredible comeback. And if you stay in a slump, then it's a bad thing. I think about the sports world. How many people watch? I've kind of put off the NFL, but who watches the NBA still? A few people. In my opinion, the greatest. NBA star of all time, Michael Jordan. And if you don't think so, we can, we can talk about this after church. Just meet me outside. <laughs> oh, man. Here we go. I put one of the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. You, you look at his career, and he, you know, leading up to his first retirement, he led the Bulls, led his team not only to a championship, not only to a repeat championship, but a three-peat championship. And then he went into, I would call, a slump. He said at that point in his career, he just basketball just didn't bring him the joy that it once did. He just did not enjoy playing the game anymore. At the same time, his father was tragically murdered. And so he retired for the first time, went into a slump, started playing baseball. We don't have to talk about how terrible all that was. But instead of staying there, what did he do? He decided to make a return to the NBA. Now, he didn't come back in all his glory. It wouldn't, it wouldn't at first. It was kind of rough. People said that they played against him, said, this ain't the same Jordan we played against, you know, those three years when they were just beating everybody. What did he do? Did he give up? He said, I trained harder. I played harder. I practiced harder. And he led his team not only to another championship, not only another repeat championship, but another three-peat championship, six 
total titles. Unbelievable. What a comeback. See, when we go through spiritual slumps, they can be pretty detrimental to our lives and to our Christian walk if we let them. But there's ways that we can get out of them. And if you're going through a spiritual dry spell, don't beat yourself up. Now, don't be okay with it, but don't feel bad about yourself because you're in good company. We've all been there. You read through the Word of God, almost all the greats go through these periods in their lives. Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, King David, Pastor Tyler, we all go through these dry spells. Fortunately, we have access to some of the prayers that some of these greats prayed. In Psalm chapter 13, we're going to look at this chapter this morning. First couple of verses, David's going through a tough period. He says so honestly, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? You ever been there? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day have, my, have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? If we're going to go through these seasons, we're going to go through these deserts, what if we could head them off? What if we knew the things to recognize that we could, when the symptoms start happening, we could cut the sickness off before it gets any worse? But what if we find ourselves in these places already? How do we get out? That's what we're going to talk, to, talk about this morning. First thing I want you to realize, though, i got a lot to cover. We'll try to do it fairly quickly. Seven symptoms of a spiritual slump. If you recognize these, hopefully you can get some medicine before it's too late. First thing that you usually experience when you're headed towards a slump, first symptom, I don't feel God's presence. I felt God's presence this morning. Amen? But if we're honest, there's periods in our lives that we simply do not feel, we do not experience God's presence. We come to church, nothing. I don't get anything out of it. We sing the songs, but it just doesn't resonate with my heart. We open the Bible, we begin to read, it just doesn't do anything for me. My prayers feels like I'm praying to a ceiling. They're not even being heard by God. It's miserable. We find ourselves asking the same questions King David asked. How long, Lord? How long do I have to experience this? God feels so distant and so far away. Second symptom, I don't experience God's power. We feel spiritually weak. We feel powerless to go about the Christian life. We can't live up to the standards that we feel like we've got to live up to. We feel like that we can't fulfill the obligations that maybe we've made to the church. Maybe I'm not good enough at teaching Sunday school. Maybe I'm not good enough at playing on the worship team or helping with these kids. A lot of times we feel powerless over temptation. A temptation pops up and when we'd normally be able to turn away from it, it overtakes us and we give in. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed. We feel anxious. We feel like we're just ready to quit. Just hang it up. We begin to question God's direction, God's plan for our lives. Third thing, I don't see God's perspective. You know, most of the, the, the battle that, that Satan has with us is not on our physical bodies, but it's in our minds, isn't it? For some reason... When he begins to fight our thoughts and fight our minds, it leads us to a negative point of view on just about everything that there is in life. We forget what's right. We forget what's right with our church, what's right with our family, what's right with our own life, and we can only focus on what's wrong with everything and what's wrong with everybody else. 
We focus on our limitations. We focus on our past failures. Focus on our inabilities. We look around and say, well, so-and-so is so much better than me. They're so much more capable to do this thing that God's called me to do. I just need to give it up and let them do it. We forget that God is still in control, that He's sovereign, that He's put us exactly where He wants us, when He wants us to be there for the reason that He put us there. And the negativity and the isolation lead to this one. I don't love God's people. Cynicism, criticalness begin to set in. It begins to overtake us. We become hardened. We become calloused. We say things to people that we don't mean. Normally we wouldn't say it if we were in a right spiritual state. Maybe we even do things to people that we normally wouldn't do. We only see... We deal with God's people and we, we, we can't love them because all we see is that little speck in their eye. And we're walking around with a big plank sticking out of ours. We've been there. We've all been there. Next symptom, I don't have God's peace. Our prayer life, our peace of mind is taken over by anxiety and fear. We can't rest. We feel abandoned by God. God has become so distant. We wonder... Will I ever be able to get back to where I once was in my walk with God? Will I ever experience the same joy that I once had as a Christian? Yeah, we can, but if we, only if we change things now. But usually, here's what happens. The symptoms get worse. And the next one, we don't accept God's provision. I don't know what it is about us, but usually we know what we should do. We're like, we're like children. We know what we're supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do, and we do the opposite. You tell a kid not to touch a hot stove, and they, what's the, the course? They go touch a hot stove. We're the exact same way. We know when we're feeling the heat, when we're walking through the desert, what we need to do to get back right with God, and we do the exact opposite of that. Instead of drawing deeper from the well, we pull our buckets up and walk away. We'd spend less time reading the Bible. We spend less time praying and communing with God. We spend less time with God's people. The oasis is there, but we, we abandon it and go deeper into the desert. Which leads to the last one. I don't stand on God's promises. It's hard to see God's promises when you got your back to God. God tells us the truth. He tells us the truth about who He is, the truth about who we are. It's all plain and clear right there in the Word of God. But what happens is we begin to believe the lies of Satan. God tells us we're His children. He tells us that we're forgiven, that we are capable of what He's called us to. We are righteous through Christ. But when Satan gets into our mind, he begins to lie to us. We begin to believe Him. We, be, we believe all the, the opposite of those things. We believe that we are unworthy, that we're not good enough, that we've done too much bad in our past to ever be used by God. We're never going to make it. Let me, let me tell you something. Satan's a liar. He is a liar and the father of lies. Do, don't trust him. Don't ever buy into anything he tells you that is contrary to what the Word of God says about you. If you do, you're going to find yourself deeper in this spiritual slump. So those are the symptoms. We'll hit them very quick. But if you recognize the symptoms, 
If you're feeling physically sick and you get symptoms, what do you do? You go get some medicine. A lot of people are sick right now. My wife, man, I was worried about her last night. She got the strep throat and I'm just a miserable person. But we get sick. We do things to get better. We go to the doctor. We go get some medicine. If we recognize the symptoms of a spiritual slump coming on, we can cut it off before it gets worse and get better. But we've got to realize, though, not only what we're experiencing, the symptoms, we need to figure out why we got sick in the first place, don't we? That way we don't go and forget to wash our hands and all those kind of things. Five reasons, main reasons for a spiritual slump. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced this. <laughs> Occasionally I'll get out driving around and I'll, I'll daydream or start singing a song or get a phone call and like 30 minutes later I, I kind of come through and I'm 30 miles on down the road and I'm like, well, how in the world did I get here? Am I the only one that's done that? Sometimes in our spiritual life it's like we come through and we look around and we're like, oh my gosh. How did I get to where I am today? How did I get here? Five main reasons. The first one is usually unrepentant sin. Now we all know what sin is. We can sit and name all the bad things that people do that we consider sin, but I want you to understand sin is anything that separates you from God. Anything that puts a barrier up between you and the Lord. You, you put that barrier up between you and God and, and, and prayer becomes difficult. Because when you're talking, I mean, think about this. You're, you have this unconfessed, unrepentant sin that you're refusing to deal with and you're continuing to live in and you try to talk to God and you're having a conversation with the Lord but there's this giant elephant sitting right there in the room that's your sin. And it offends God. I mean, how can you have a conversation like that? It's got to be addressed. It makes our lives difficult. It hurts us. It hurts people around us. It affects our relationship with the Lord. And if we don't get out of that sin, it leads us into a much darker and drier place than we could imagine. Second thing that, second reason we find ourselves in these, these deserts is unfortunate situations. It's not always because somebody messed up. Sometimes things just happen. Life happens. Life is going to be tough sometimes. We're going to lose people that we care about. We're going to get sick. We're going to have some catastrophes that take place in our lives. But how we respond when those things happen is the key of not going into one of these slumps. Bad situations, bad circumstances don't have to take us into a spiritually dry place. It can be a good thing. Somebody said the same fire that melts the wax hardens the clay. Sometimes when you go into a, a difficult situation, it can either burn you up and consume you, or it can refine you and make you something greater and more pure than you ever were without going through that. Third reason, an unwillingness to step out. <laughs> a lot of us Christians find ourselves in this one. We go just about as far as we want to go with the Lord. And we decide that's far enough. I'm good enough. We stop asking what's next. We stop asking what now can I do for you, Lord. And because of that unwilling heart, we reach this spiritual growth plateau where we just, instead of continuing to become more like Christ, we just stop. 
We don't experience any new things about God in our life because we refuse to take another step. A lot of Christians fall into this category. We believe that we're good enough. We believe that we've done enough. We believe that we're all that God designed us to be and we can't get any better. We're just, we're just perfect. And so we become content. What was that word? Content. <laughs> Constant. Content <laughs> with our spiritual status quo. The truth is there's no such thing though. You're either drawing closer to God or you're sliding back down into that desert. It's like an uphill climb. You're either getting closer and making forward progress or you're just sliding farther and farther and farther back away from God. Fourth reason, an unforgiving spirit. Did you know that people are going to hurt you? Did you know that people are going to disappoint you and let you down? Because of that, we as Christians especially have to learn how to forgive people, how to show grace, how to show mercy. Jesus, what did, even he, he taught us to pray that, didn't he? Father, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. Jesus said if you come to the altar with your sacrifice and you realize there's something going on between you and your brother, leave your sacrifice, get up and go fix it, and then come back. It's a big deal. An unforgiving heart will do more damage to you than it ever will to the person that you're refusing to forgive. It will eat you up inside. You're the only one suffering from the grudge that you're holding against somebody. It don't bother them. So let it go. Forgive. Move on. I promise you're going to find more satisfaction. This is hard to believe until you've done it. But you'll find more satisfaction in forgiving somebody than you ever will in being unforgiving. Fifth and final reason is an unsatisfied soul. It's been said that the soul is restless until it finds rest in God alone. There's nothing else, no one else, that's going to satisfy you apart from God. When we feel like, though, that our souls aren't being satisfied, it's usually our, our flesh and our human nature that's tricking us, but when we feel like we're not being satisfied with the things of God, we, we just quit. We quit praying. We quit going to church. We quit hanging out with Christian people. We, you know, all of this stuff. When really it's actually one of these five reasons that we're feeling the way that we feel. And instead of fixing the problem, we turn farther away from the solution. Let's get back to Psalm 13. What did David do? Verses 3 and 4, David asked for help. He asked God for help. He told him his problem in verses 1 and 2, and then he says, Look on me and answer. <laughs> Again, we're like children, aren't we? Look at me, God. Look at me. Answer me. Lord my God, give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome it. Who's our enemy? It's not just the nations that were gathered around David. Who's our enemy? Satan. Don't let Satan say, I've overcome it. I've overcome her. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. So those are the symptoms. Those are the reasons. So what do we do about it? If we find ourselves down with the sickness and feeling spiritually dry, how do we get out of this desert? 
Michael Jordan said he played harder, practiced harder, pushed harder, trained harder. What about us? First thing we got to do is make a plan. I believe that everything about spiritual growth is intentional. I don't think you're going to grow closer to God on accident. You have to decide that you're going to be closer to God. Uh, like we said last week, A.W. Tozer said, everybody is as close to God as they want to be. you got to be intentional about it. Make a plan. Recognize the problem. Recognize the symptoms. Admit it. Confess it. Deal with it. And begin to act on it. You can't just, you can't just sit back and wait for God to pick you up and dust you off when it's your fault that you're dry and dusty to begin with. If something's not working, this is at least the way I think. If something's not working, I usually try to do something different. If the relationship that you've been pursuing in your life has led you to this dark place, then why are you still pursuing it? Unless you're married, then we need to talk about something different. If the way you've been praying has brought you into this dry season of life, then why do you keep praying the way that you're praying? If the way that you worship has brought you into this desert, then why are you still worshiping the way that you've been worshiping? If you want different results, you've got to do different things. We call this repentance in the church. If you're going deeper into the desert, you need to turn around. That's called repenting. Second thing you need to do is change the norm. Now, we're all going to have bad days. And if you're just having a bad day, or maybe even a bad week. You don't need to upend your entire life to try and fix things. You might just be having a bad day. If you go home and you just, you know, you, know, you uproot your entire life because you had a bad day, we call that emotionally unstable and maybe even crazy. <laughs> but if you're deep into a spiritual slump, you need to make some changes in your life. You need to take action. You need to change your normal routine. Now, it could be as simple as some of us just need to take a vacation every now and then because we're overworked and we're overstressed and we just need to take a break and, and relax. It could be opening up your schedule to allow more time to spend with God. Maybe you get up 10 minutes earlier so you can crack open that dusty Bible and spend some time alone with the Lord. Maybe it's making more time in your schedule for the people that you love. Now maybe you're on the opposite end of this spectrum and you're not overstressed or overworked or overburdened. you got all the time in the world. And that's the problem. Maybe you need to take on more. You need to take a deeper step in faith, serving the Lord in a new capacity. Third thing, you need to address each problem separately. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. If you're wandering through the desert and you're really out there, chances are you don't just have one or two symptoms. You've probably got a whole bunch of these. You probably aren't feeling God's presence. probably aren't experiencing God's power. There's probably unrepentant sin in your life. There's probably somebody that you need to forgive. All of these things. But if you try to take them all on at one time, you're simply going to be overwhelmed and paralyzed and you're not going to get anywhere. So you need to address each one. If it's sin, address the sin as a single issue. Confess it to God, repent from it, learn from it, and move on. If it's somebody you need to forgive, then deal with that on its own. Take it one bite at a time. The next one is dig deeper in the Word. 
Again, a lot of times when we find ourselves going through these dry seasons, we, instead of doing what we know we need to do, digging deeper in the Word, we close the Bible. And we may go days, weeks, maybe even months, maybe even years, without reading from the Word of God. And because of that, we make matters so much worse. But we've got to dig deeper. My grandpa said, you simply cannot exhaust God's Word. You can spend your whole life reading it and studying it, and there will always be a new treasure to find hidden deep within the recesses of God's Word that will change your life. Now, if it's dry, dig deeper. Find a new study. Read a new book. There was one pastor that went through an exceptionally dry season in his, in his life. He said he was going out of the bookstore one day, and he, he passed the little, you know, they always got the little discount books there on your way out. He said he, he saw one of those, he picked it up and bought it. And he pulled it out one day when he was feeling real dry, and it was called uh, Lectures on the Levitical Offerings by H.A. Ironside. Sounds really incredible, doesn't it? I mean, that's what I, when I'm feeling dry, I say, let's read some Leviticus, Lord. This is awesome. <laughs> but he said he began to read this. It's an older study. And he began to read it, or began to read about the sacrifices of the Old Testament. And he says, suddenly the tears began to flow again. He said, I began to feel the presence of God in my heart again because I, I began to see the sufferings and the sacrifice of Christ through the lens of these Levitical sacrifices in a way that I'd never seen before and I got a brand new appreciation for what my Lord did for me. Next one is we got to find a survival partner. Survivalists will tell us, apart from you know, food, water, and shelter, and fire, your greatest chance for survival is doing it with somebody. Having a partner there with you. We've got to find an accountability partner. Somebody that can encourage us. Somebody we can tell things to and they can pray for us in specific ways. Be there for us. When you're going through these periods, sometimes it's tough to pray for yourself. And you need a person or a group of people to pray for you. Become part of a small group where you're going to get encouraged. Get your cup refilled. Next one, I love this one. Worship. 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 I put it in there three times because it's that important. Worship, worship, worship. When you, f What did Paul and Silas do when they were sitting in that jail cell? Chained up like animals? Did they sit there and say, Oh God, you for you've really forgot us now. Oh, poor little me. I'll never get out of here. said about midnight while they were praying and singing praises, things began to happen. The chains began to fall off, didn't they? I can't tell you how many times in my own life when I felt simply just dried out and parched and I began to praise the Lord for all He's worth. Not, not anything about me, but praise Him for who He is. So things began to change. Now why is this? It's because suddenly our focus shifts from little old us and all of our problems to Almighty God. And it becomes all about Him once again. Back to Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6. David ends his prayer like this, in praise. He says, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise. Why? Because He's a good, good Father. For He has been good to me. In Psalm 13, David's prayer went like this. He, he shared his problem. How long, Lord? How long? Then he made his petition. God, hear me. Answer me. And he ended 
with praise. I love the way the message translation puts these last two verses. It says, I've thrown myself headlong into your arms. I'm celebrating your rescue. I'm singing at the top of my lungs. I'm so full of answered prayers. What happens when we throw ourselves headlong into God's arms? We get filled up again. This last point says we get to take a drink from the well. Really, that's the only hope that we have when we find ourselves in the desert is to find the well and take a drink of the living water. I'll be honest with you. When you find yourself going through these spiritually dry seasons, nobody in your life is going to have the right words to make you feel any better. Your spouse ain't going to be able to help you. The preacher ain't going to be able to help you. The worship team ain't going to be able to sing the right song and suddenly make you feel better about everything. The only hope that you have is to find the soul-satisfying living water that flows from Jesus Christ. But maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you've been pretty dry here lately. And you've, you've had some of these symptoms. And you recognize now the reasons that you are where you are. I don't know if you've ever been dehydrated physically. But it's terrible. <laughs> you get out here on a hot day or something, maybe you get sick and you get physically dehydrated. It's, it's awful. You hurt. You can't think straight. You, you, I mean, you just you feel like you're going to die. You're confused. And I'll be honest, spiritual dehydration is no different. When you're spiritually dehydrated, you feel like it's over. There's no hope for you. Well, today, you can change all of that. You can come out of that desert. Maybe that's what you long for, like this, Psalm 42. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Have you ever been thirsty for God like that? Have you ever panted to feel God's presence and His power in your life again? It says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? That's the million dollar question. You can meet God right here this morning. Right here. Jesus, we all know the story. It's one of our favorites. But Jesus told the woman at the well in John chapter 4, this woman who had been searching for something satisfying probably all of her life. She couldn't find it in men. She couldn't find it in a new husband. She couldn't find it in anything that the world has to offer. She couldn't find it at the bottom of Jacob's well. But she found it right there in front of her. And Jesus looked this woman in the eye and he said, But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I don't know where you're at today in your walk. Maybe you're doing just fine. But I know how easy it is to find yourself in David's shoes, in Elijah's shoes, in Moses' shoes, just wondering if God has abandoned us. Why don't I feel God's presence? 
Why can't I defeat this sin? Why can't I deal with the problems that life has when I know God can deal with anything that there is? Well, maybe you just need to come and get your cup filled up again. Maybe you need to finally turn over that sin that you can't defeat and give it to the Lord. Confess it to Him. He'll forgive you. He's not waiting to, to beat you up because you've been sinful. He wants to forgive you from it and help you get past it. Maybe you need just to come back to God. Maybe you've been wandering for too long and you just need to come back home this morning. Maybe you just need to come up here and pray. Make a public statement. God, I'm serious about this. I'm serious about my relationship with you. I'm serious about my spiritual walk and I'm ready, God, to do something about it. If that's you this morning, I want to give you the opportunity here as we prepare to, to pray. Maybe, you, maybe you've never experienced God in your life. You don't have a relationship with Him through Christ. And if that's the case, man, I want to invite you to come and, and I'll help you get there. I'll lead you to Him. We'll, we'll pray. He's just waiting for you. He's not abandoned you. He's not left you. He's waiting for you to come back. Would you stand with me this morning as we close in prayer? Heavenly Father, we... So thankful, God, that you love us the way that you do. Thank you, Lord, when we've turned our backs on you, God, you never give up on us. You never leave us, you never forsake us. Lord, even when we least deserve it. And Father, today I pray if there's someone here this morning, if there's someone watching online, God, that they are just so dried up. God, they're parched. Maybe they're confused. They're hurting. God, I just pray this morning they would take a good long drink from the living water of Jesus Christ. God, I pray they'd be revived. God, that they could sense your presence again. God, I pray that they could uh, feel you in their life. They could see your hand at work in their life. And God, I pray that if someone's been wondering, God, I pray this morning they find their way back home. Father, we invite you here to be with us in this time. I pray your spirit would just search our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.